Balancing Ministry and Family Life. That is the topic of this week's ReChurch. Welcome to ReChurch. I'm Marshall Fant, the Director of Church Consulting and Strategic Planning for Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. My purpose is to encourage pastors and church leaders as you refocus, renew, and revitalize your churches. We've established this podcast to offer practical tips and suggestions as you equip disciples to make disciples. This is Marshall Fant. Welcome back to GFA's podcast on ReChurch, where we talk everything about the church. Today's podcast, we're going to do an interview with both my wife, Gretchen. Welcome. Thank you. As well as uh, my son, Joseph. Joe, welcome. Thank you. I'm here. And his wife, Becky. So, Becky, glad to have you as well. Thank you, Dad. All right, so here's the topic we want to have a little family discussion about. I've been in several churches, similar to Joe and Becky's situation, where they are following a senior pastor who did not have children in the home. And not only of Joe and Becky, but I know of several couples like this that are coming into a, a ministry where the previous pastor is retiring, took another call, or, or you know different situations. But here's a young couple coming in. And so, Joe and Becky, for the sake of our audience, tell them you have four children. Yes, we have four kids, ages two, four, six, and eight. Okay, so <laughs> planned it out life. pretty well. Yeah, how about that? All right. Yeah. So, Gretchen, uh, when we started ministry, we uh, had five children. We had five. And we still right? have five, but we, we didn't. Still have yeah, five. That's right. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but Gretchen, do you remember children. how old they were when we first started? Yes. The youngest was just not quite two years old. And then we had an 8, 10, 12, and 14. Okay, so that was like kind that. of, was okay, that's that. our background going into it. Mm-hmm. So some things I want to talk through are, are first, I'm going to interview Joe and Becky, and then I want Gretchen, I'll call on her to give some advice on how she handled it when I was gone so much. All right, so again, the topic here, younger men following older men in the pastorate, where the older men did not have children, so the church was not accustomed to having a senior pastor who also had, you know, pretty heavy uh, children responsibilities at home. So, Joe, in your and Becky's situation, you ministered in South Bend, Indiana. When was the last time a pastor served there with children in the home? How many years has it been? Do you know? With children as young as ours, a long time. I don't know exactly um, how long. We may be the first pastors with children this young. I do know that there was a a full-time pastor at the church, and there was an interim pastor, and then we came in when the church was without us, a full-time senior pastor for about five years. But the last senior pastor at the church, he had kids who were in the school, some college age as well. But uh, yeah, it was a long time for Community Baptist here in South Bend. The, The interim pastor just before us did not have any kids in the home. He was an empty nester, and so he was able to devote his, uh, he and his wife's entire life there and time to the ministry. And so we followed him. He'd been there for three years as interim, and so we were really following him, yeah. Okay, so as we walk through this process, this, uh, of course, podcast is not only for pastors and pastors' wives, but all church leaders, and I also want to target maybe pulpit committees on this as well. Joe and Becky, when y'all were being interviewed as a candidate for the position you are now, you had served as a youth pastor, you had served in evangelism, but now coming into the senior pastorate, did the pulpit committee or anyone else address this topic during the interview process? The pulpit committee did not really ask questions or address it straight up. We knew going in it was going to be an issue because, first of all, I don't feel like I can really speak authoritatively on this, authoritatively, however you say it, on this uh, on this topic at all. I mean, Becky and I are kind of 
uh, navigating through these waters, obviously, on our own. And so we don't have anything figured out. Or I would look back and say there are a lot of things we could have done differently. So we didn't do everything right. But we did get some really good advice. We've got some friends who are serving in pastorates that have children older than ours. And they gave us some very good advice. And that was to bring it up in the very first interview and just say, you know, this is going to be very different. And there was only one other person on the pulpit committee who had kids that were the age that we had. Hmm. And uh, most of the other pulpit committee were either empty nesters, retirees, or they had kids that were much, much older college or late high school. And so we brought it up and just said, listen, this is something that we need to talk about right off the bat. So you understand what you're getting into. And so, yeah, asking and kind of letting them know, listen, this is something that we need to talk through to talk through what your expectations are, what the church's expectations are, what our expectations are, just to try to bring it up right from the get go. Now, Becky, were you in on those conversations or was that just with Joe and the not public? Initially, yeah, not initially, I would say when it got more serious toward the end of our candidation process. Yes, some of those conversations. But okay. Joe was mainly the protective umbrella and spokesman for that. It was something we had talked about as a couple where we stood on that and what we believed was what God was calling us to biblically do as far as balancing home and ministry. So we kind of had an idea where we wanted to enter into this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And we made sure we were on the same page before we talked yeah, to the helps, public right? committee at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to say, okay, we need to bring this up, make sure we're thinking the same thing. So we're using the same vocabulary and we're explaining, you know, what we mean when we say certain things, trying to be very clear. Yeah. All right, so Gretchen, let me come to you. Our history, we went and replanted a church together. And, of course, now, for the sake of our listeners, Joe was in our family. Of course, he saw it from a teenager's point of view or a 10- or 12-year-old. And Becky also was reared the ministry, but a little bit different because they were on the road in evangelism. But on the pastor's side, Gretchen, I was gone every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night. Do I remember that right, or was I gone yes, even more than Yes, that? you remember that right. We would go <laughs> weeks, we would go weeks to where you would uh, all of a sudden say, you know, I haven't been home one night in mm-hmm. three weeks or four weeks yeah. or whatever it was. So uh, how did so. you handle that? Because we were homeschooling most of that time. Replanting she had a kids church. that were perfect. Oh, yeah, I had kids <laughs> no, that were right. I yeah. don't think that was what it was. <laughs> um, I think that a wife just has to see that as an essential part of the ministry, that the pastor cannot do his job and be heavily involved in the mundane issues at home. I'm not saying that he's not involved in the family. Of course, that's really, really important. But I had to always remind myself, this is, is temporary. It's not always going to be this way. And this is my season. And I had some people to look up to. One person in particular I'm thinking of is Dion Hay, Mrs. Hay, whose husband started the Wilds Christian Camp in North Carolina. And I remember her saying, and she, I'm sure she said it to a lot of pastor's wives, and she said, I had to tell myself every night when I was at home and he was out playing basketball and I was putting the kids to bed on my own, I would tell my children, our ministry is to share our daddy with other people. And that's our ministry. And she she was very intentional about not ever allowing the children to be bitter or to think that they deserved the father there more 
then he was there. And so I think attitude is really critical. Okay. Now, Becky, let me ask you this. And Gretchen, I'll get you to comment as well. One of the greatest fears all of us have as pastors is, you know, living in the fear of man, okay, about our children's behavior. Now, for the sake of our listeners, our family had three boys, and they were all still boys. Do. And still do. Yeah, you still do. <laughs> now they're men. And uh, Joe and Becky have two very uh, rambunctious boys, and they're my grandchildren. Yes, very spirited. That's good. Yeah. So, Gretchen, how did you—and then, Becky, I'll get you to comment. How did you balance the fear of man and then, again, not wanting to drive your children away from ministry? Well, I think the most important thing is that it is really important to never, ever use the vocabulary with your children that communicates, you had better behave or you're going to hurt your father's ministry. That that actually breeds the fear of man in the children, and it's it's not breeding the fear of God. So... I think that is probably the most important fact to realize that you cannot, you must not say things like that to your children. Their behavior has to be based on uh, their relationship with God and not how they're going to affect your own ministry. Mm, yeah. So I think that is that is really important. And, and I think I always tried to be as transparent as possible and not try to defend my children or say, as you used to say, Marsh, often when people would say, do you know what your son did? And your pat response was, you remember? Nothing you say will surprise me. Exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so we've adopted um, a phrase kind of like that here. <laughs> if they're in school or anything, we tell them, I promise you that anything you see, I've seen 10 times at home. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and I, yeah. I, I think if, if people sense that you are lifting your children up or defending them. I mean, I think that's not good. Okay. And it's, it's, it's very, very stressful uh, for the parent. Becky, you want to comment on that? Because you also were brought up under kind of a a microscope. the The glass house idea. Joe and I were talking about that earlier and we were talking about how we think it's a merciful act of God to use our children to keep us very humble, you know, um, when they misbehave at church and people see the, the pastor and his wife and children, we need Jesus just as much as everybody else does. So I think it's a, it's almost a good thing for our people to see that we're human. And I remember something you told me, mom, is that when our kids are misbehaving, more people are looking at how we as the parents respond than they are even actually looking at the children. So it's mm-hmm. it's just being consistent in what we would do at home in parenting and correcting, even mm. if it's within the walls of the church and allowing people to see that, you know, just transparency that we're very, very well. I remember our first Sunday here, Joe spontaneously called us all up on stage to introduce everyone. And I think it ended in some very real moments up on yeah, stage. It was, a, it was a disaster. Yeah, but it was good. It was an introduction of, hey, we're, we're real people just like you. Uh, and I yeah. think that's a good humility for us, too. Yeah. And I think one of the things I love about having young children in the home while you're pastoring, it gives them a front row seat to see what God yeah. is doing in people's lives. So it's hard, but that's the balance side. I wanted to get that in before I forgot about it. All right, now, Joe and Becky, I want to ask you this. You have a Christian school. Yes. And for our listeners, our pastors who have Christian schools, and Christian school is a whole other level of commitment to being at church or church activities 
for sports, I don't know, twice a week, whatever that may be, and your youngest is two. So how do you balance expectations with your parents of the school, uh, school administrator, knowing that you and Becky and the kids will not be at every activity? Yeah, I think that's interesting. One of the um, blessings of a Christian school is that we can have our kids involved in the church facilities almost every day of the week. And they're seeing their teachers on Sunday and having even um, interactions with some of them during children's church or Sunday school, whatever it would be. But with that, like you're saying, comes a lot more responsibility and uh, sometimes perceived expectations from people. We got some very good advice early on, and that was to set expectations very low at the very beginning, Mm -hmm. because you can always do more things, but very rarely can you cut back without having some collateral damage. And so um, going in, I was just very clear with the teachers that we would try to attend some of the sports activities. Obviously, if it was something where our, our kids were involved, we'd be there, whether it be a field day or something like that, to the best of our ability. But but if it was an, a sports, you know, a high school sports game, then um, we have taken our whole family to the sports game. And usually it ends with one of our children running out on the court and almost dying and getting hit by a basketball or, 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 or people, you know, laughing at us and pointing or things of that nature. Um, and so normally, you know, what, what we've tried to do is just to set expectations and just communicate with people. And I think one of the, the side benefits that's actually happened with me not being at all the games and everything is that it's, um, it's given our school administrator and our athletic director and our leadership uh, coordinators in the school uh, platform to actually have to take some responsibility and to rise to the occasion. And it's been really neat to see how um, they've been able to take leadership in ways that, you know, if I was there, I'd be praying and welcoming everybody at every game. But since I'm not there, they are the ones who are on the front row. And it's been really neat to see how they've been recognized and respected in that way as well. And that way, when I come in, I can be a help rather than always having to be, you know, the one who's maybe running things. And I think something else that it's done not being fully involved is that maybe there'll be a game, you know, one game a week or so where I will go in at the very beginning and say hi to everybody. Then I can slip out and come and put the kids to bed and still get to say hi to the parents and and get to make a touch, you know, in that way. And what I find is that when you communicate that you are protecting your family, people with families understand. Right. And I think it's a lack of communication up front and and the desire to say, listen, I would love to be there. I really would. But, you know, we, yeah, it's not forever. No. And, and of course our kids aren't involved as much in that in sports right now at all, really, on the school level. So I think communication is key and setting expectations with the deacons and leadership of the church saying, how much do you think I should be involved? You know, uh, where should I where should I do this here? And, and should I go to this game and not this game and that kind of thing? But communication has been a big thing. That's great. And, and it allows those men to do ministry where, you know, God's called them to do ministry. So exactly. Yep. Yep. Okay, uh, Becky, I'll ask you this and then get Gretchen to comment on it. When do you and Joe find time to spend with each other not doing ministry or children? Is it maybe two hours a week? Is it just when it happens? Uh, Becky, how do you how do you handle that? Yes. 
we stay up late at night and do podcasts together. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, at 8 p.m., it's party time in our house. After the kids go to bed, it's about we look up and say, oh, hi, how are you? Um, yeah. yeah, we were talking about how we balance these type of things. and So you, basically, play. you're you have a schedule that you oh, keep yeah. the kids on, and that allows you to spend time with Joe. Is that right? It, it is. Yeah. I love my schedule. Yeah, that. a very, very strict <laughs> schedule. Yeah. Okay. All right. Gretchen. But it allows oh. for more flexibility in other ways because we stick to that. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, when they get a little older, that may change, and we can talk about that in about five Absolutely. years. Oh, you know, Joe back Becky, I <laughs> yeah. forgot to tell our audience, you've been there how many years now? You've been at Community how long? We've been at Community about two and a half years. Okay. You know, we came in uh, – January of 2018. Okay. And so about two and a half years. So I just wanted them to know how long you've been working with your leadership for that mm-hmm. trust and, and communication. Yeah. Uh, Gretchen, you want to comment on finding times to spend with your husband when you got teenagers and all that going on in ministry? Well, I think we tried as much as possible to include everyone in church activities like mm-hmm. Becky was talking about. You know, some people talk about, oh, you have to have a date night one night a week. We did not do that. And I'm not saying that was right. I don't really know. Uh, We uh, were so busy with the church planning. It was so busy. And I do appreciate that. We did make it a point once a year we would go off. And this helped me so much. I guess if they were with us now, it wouldn't be as much because we have the internet, but we would go in November and we would make arrangements and we would go off for a couple of days just and we would go us. shopping, just the two of us. And we would spend time together and we would do Christmas shopping because Christmas was such a burden, became a burden to me, you know, getting all that ready. But as far as a regular weekly date, if I really started getting stressed, honestly, I would just start praying about it. And it seemed like the Lord often would just work something out where all of a sudden I'd look and they would go to somebody's house or we'd find that we had some some time together and, or I would have some time by myself. So it seemed like the Lord always worked it out. But we did not, that I remember, really have regular quote dates yeah the only thing we, yeah. we would have to spend 15 minutes talking each day yes we just always you and did I. that mm-hmm. and that we were actually fi- mentioning yeah. that how yeah. you guys taught us yeah that. Yes. we try to do that as well and it's amazing how it, how hard it is to fit that in every single day well i remember and, when you all told us about that we had just been married and you talked about how that was a goal is to have 15 minutes of uninterrupted time a day to talk and i thought that's it <laughs> now yeah. four kids later i think it's really hard to get that in. Isn't it? It, is. It, is. <laughs> it is. And that's, that's where your schedule, though. that's where your schedule yeah. is so important. And we were yeah. very scheduled too. At a certain time, everyone had to be in bed. And so we yeah. always had that time where we could talk. And of course we'd have dinner times too, but that wasn't, that was kind of crazy. Well, and it's just um, little simple things. Like we made a commitment several years ago that we were going to get up early and the kids were waking up. I mean, I try to get up and study at, you know, six o'clock or six fifteen. And the kids would come down because they'd hear me moving around in the house. And once the kids are up, I mean, you know, it's Katie bar the door. I mean, it's just go, everything's going crazy. (laughs) And so what we ended up doing was buying a alarm clock that has a stoplight on it. (laughs) And we told them, you know, you can't get out of bed until the first number is 
seven and you can't come downstairs to eat breakfast until it's 10 a.m. You know, no, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no we set the green light. Yeah. And we, the green light would turn on at like 745. <laughs> but that would give them an idea to where they could get up and play in their room. But we knew that we had however early we wanted to get up, we'd have that until 745 to to really prepare for the day. And then 7.45, we call it the stampede. Yeah, and then at 7.45, it sounds like elephants are running through our house as they all come running together down the steps. But but that little things like that really helped us to start the day alone with each other and then end the day once we put the kids to bed and everybody stops fighting and everybody decides to go to sleep. Then we can actually end the day together. And one thing that we started doing when we got married is we always – make sure at night that, you know, if I have to be out late, she'll wait up for me or vice versa. If she's doing a ladies Bible study, then I'll wait up for her that, you know, I don't stay up late and work at night. We always make sure that we go to bed at the same time. Yeah. That's, that's and, key. um, yeah. and that's, that's really helped that's as good. well. Yeah. That's very good. And, um, just little, little things like that when praying you, yeah, praying together every night before we go to sleep mm-hmm. and trying to just study different things in the morning, not studying together, but studying mm-hmm. different things and then talking about them throughout the day or talking about them in the morning or learning little things like that. When you do them, you know, we've been married for 11 years, but when you, when you do it year after year consistently, it pays off and it, and it adds up into a lot of time. Okay. I need to cover a couple more topics. we got about five minutes. We need to wrap it up. One thing I did want to go back and explain what I meant by 15 minutes was Gretchen and I had uh, set up a time right after dinner each evening. We would have 15 minutes where we would sit and talk without the children. So that's what we call our 15 minutes, if that wasn't clear. Now, let's fast forward to a situation. Someone's listening to this. They have young children. They're pastoring a church. And the leadership puts a lot of demands. They're feeling the family stress because the expectations weren't set right in the beginning. So I'm going to start with Joe and then Becky and then Gretchen. What would you advise Joe to the pastor and Becky and Gretchen to the pastor's wife? How would you remedy that situation? So, Joe? You know, that's interesting. I don't really feel like I'm in the position to give advice to anybody. But if I was in that situation, I think one thing that's kept coming back to my mind that I've said to our deacons is, um, you know, the pastor's in a unique position to where he can disqualify himself if he is not taking care of his home life. And that's very unique. You know, that's not true if you're an accountant or that's not true if you're a businessman or anything of that nature. But in the ministry, managing your household well, taking care of that is something that can disqualify you from ministry if you don't do it. And also not only that, but no one else can be my kid's dad. You know, there are a lot of godly men who could shepherd, who could be the under shepherd of Community Baptist Church in South Bend. You know, if if God were to take me home to be with him or something were to happen, there are many men who come past a church, but no one else can be my kid's dad and no one else can be Becky's husband. And so what I would do is I would make an appeal. And then if the church was to the point where they say, no, here are the demands. And if I really believe it was unreasonable, I think that would be a decision for me to go to a different ministry. And I actually have a friend I know of who did just that. He didn't believe he could shoulder the burden that the elders at his church were asking him to shoulder. And he appealed over a course of six months, appealed two different times, and they held the line. And he ended up transitioning to a smaller ministry where he felt like he could give an account better for his family. Hmm. And so, you know, I think it's a conscience issue. I know that everybody's different. Each family's different. You know, I feel like we found what works for us. And and uh, I guess I would, an appeal process to leadership you know, people who've had a family who are biblically thinking, who are reasonable, godly men will recognize that and will be sensitive to that. 
Yeah, good idea. Good, good comment. Becky, what would you tell the wife? Becky had to go deal with a discipline okay. issue. And oh, she's really? back now. She, she's back now. All right. So could you repeat the question? All right. So, yeah, we got a situation in a church where a pastor and his wife maybe didn't have the communication up front. And there are a lot of expectations on the pastor and the wife and children. What would you tell the wife? Yeah, I think so much of it is just even understanding in your own mind as the wife to a pastor what your role is biblically and governing your life by that. Because I know for me, I struggle as much with people's expectation of me as my own expectation of what I should look like as a pastor's wife. So maybe even just going back to what is my role seen in Scripture, I am a wife and I am a mother and I'm a church body member. So maybe even settling that in my own heart first. Mm. Yeah, And then having that talk with my husband, I think just that support of one another, just being really firm on where we are. Sure. I don't, I don't know that as a wife I could do anything else other than that, <laughs> but um, just making sure I understand biblically what God yeah. has called me to. Good points. Gretchen, you want to comment? I think that's really important what Becky said. I think, again, transparency is really important, and like you mentioned, making an appeal. I remember once when we were planning the church and we were just exhausted and there was a older woman who used to not really complain, but drop uh, hints about she wished we had a Easter sunrise service. Now at the, at this point, our church does have one. Okay. But at that point, the thought of an Easter sunrise service was like, I mean, just torture me. Why don't you just, you know, I, I just, if we added, and then once we were talking and she said, she brought it up again and I just looked right at her and I was just very transparent. I said, you know, at some point, I'm sure that this church could do that. But at this point, I, I just don't think we can add one more thing. The thought of that is just... It's it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming to me. And you know that she understood that Hmm. and she never mentioned it again. And so I think, I think sometimes we're afraid we either defend ourselves or get angry or whatever. But I think when people get a glimpse of really the way it's affecting you and you're transparent with people, people really do respond to that because they're, they're human. You know, they, they felt that before too. And so I think that's really important just to be transparent. And like Joe said, we just cannot do this. And if, if the whole church had forced that, forced us to plan something like that, we probably would, I probably would have said, let's go somewhere else. (laughs) You know, we, um, Becky and I have read two books that have been really helpful and one is called reset and one is called refresh. They're written by husband wife combo. And one point that he makes in that book is that God builds the church. The pastor doesn't build the church. Mm-hmm. And and the pastor can only do what he can do. And I think it's a reminder of our humanity when we, like, I remember when the quarantine had just started and we're trying to figure out what to do and people were all upset about not meeting or meeting and are we overreacting or not overreacting it right at the very beginning. And then in the same week, two people died and I had to do two funerals and like quarantine funerals and gravesides and I had to preach and I had to deal with all this stuff. And I remember on Saturday night thinking, I really need about seven or eight more hours on this sermon. You know, I've put in as much as I can. I've got as much done as I can. And I feel like I've been a good steward of my time. I feel like I've been a good steward of my family and God, you're just going to have to take this and you're going to have to do with it what you will. And it's amazing that in those moments, it seems like your ministry gets far more expanded, you know, and 
and God uses sermons like that. And God, God uses things like that to where sometimes I'll walk away out of the office and I'll come home knowing I'm coming home to a tense situation or, you know, not knowing what I'm walking into and I'm leaving work incomplete at the office and thinking, okay, I've done my best for today. I've done what I could do. I am not God. God is God. I am not sovereign. He is. He is going to build the church. I can only do what I can do. I need to go home and sleep, you know, and I need to go home and be a blessing to my family and put the kids in the bath and that kind of thing. And and that's been a reminder for me that we are not God and pastors don't build the church. God builds the church and we just have yes. responsibility to be good that's stewards right. of our time. Well, I don't think there's a better way to wrap it up than write that. That's great words of wisdom and Again, today I've been talking with Joe and Becky Fant, uh, again, my son and daughter-in-law, one of my sons, who's uh, also a pastor. Your favorite son. Yeah, <laughs> that would be questioned. Uh, also, uh, Gretchen, thanks for joining us again. Uh-huh. She's been Thank with you. us before. So Joe and Becky, hope you all have a, a great weekend, upcoming Lord's Day, and great talking to you. Gretchen, thanks again. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. You're listening to ReChurch a podcast of Gospel Fellowship Association Missions. If you would like more information about our ministry or how we may assist you and your church, visit us at gfamissions.org slash consulting.